Can I just go shirtless? Sure. All right. Tarps bring in, off. Bring in views, maybe. Tarps off. Uh, we're good. We're recording. God, I hope not. Hello. Oh, it's been hey. a while. Peter Michaels, you... as they call you. Do they still call you that? I was going to say, are you still Patrick Bateman? I am the not one and only. What's all going right. on? Do we know how this stuff all works? It's been uh, a minute. It's been a what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Keep that going. That was actually pretty good. There's two ways you can do that, right? There's the bare naked ladies way and then the stained way. Yeah. I think we'd go the bare naked yeah. ladies way. That's a shout ladies. out to Scott Ackerman. That's a comedy bang bang bit. But anyways, uh, we're back after a number of weeks off summer vacation. It got busy. It got hectic. It got hot as fuck. Been like 10 weeks. Not actually. No. It feels like it sometimes. It but. feels like it, but it, it does feel like an ext- extremely long time because I was gone. I was in Toronto for like 15 days. It's a long that time. That was a long trip. It actually, felt like a long time. It felt longer that. for sure. Maybe it was like 20 or anyways, it doesn't matter. You got some ground covered. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it was, yeah, it was a great trip. Saw some shows. I was going to say you saw like at least three shows that had me pretty jealous. Yeah, I saw four shows, three of which you were jealous of. Okay, I don't know what the fourth. One of them was a podcast recording at Massey Hall, which was unbelievable. We did that the night before we came back just this uh, last Sunday. A podcast recording at Massey Hall? Yeah. We could do this at Massey Hall? Definitely Massey Hall. We're already (laughs) in the uh, negotiations. Um, yeah, no, so that was very cool. I saw Sham Family again at a club called The Garrison, which I'd never been to. That was pretty sweet. Yep. Saw Peter Van Helvoort's new project, Darling Congress. And a little reunion at the same time, and that was at the Horseshoe? It was so funny because he made note of it in the show a couple times that seven years ago he, you know, played the final Teenage Kick show there and uh, said that it would never happen again and, you know, but got to play one song. So they played one Teenage Kick song during the Dar- Darling Congress show. And then uh, at at the end of the Darling Congress set, he just said, all right, well, um, you know, we're going to take a few minutes, then we're going to come back and play seven Teenage Kick songs with the ori- most of the original cast. Unbelievable. And Totally shocked. You had no idea. No, no idea. Clue. The cool thing is, and props to Pete for this, he, uh, I think the day before the show, put out the um, the, the Times – and there was a mystery band playing after Darling Congress called Casey Keen Sergeant, which is Teenage Kicks. So kudos to Pete Van Helvoort because that was smart as shit. Nicely done. And very, very cool to be part of that. I, I could not have been happier. So, and then the big show was the the Budweiser stage. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Jack White. If I'd uh, had July my talk. phone. I, did, I missed July Talk. Oh, you missed July Talk? Didn't, didn't see does, him. Didn't catch it. How does that happen? Ah, oh, you got to eat dinner, I guess. I don't know. It just, it, it did not work out. It did not work out. But uh, huh. yeah, so uh, my friend Stuart, a few weeks before we went to Toronto, because we'd already said we weren't going to do Jack. The trip was huge. It was already quite expensive. And then uh, about a week or two before, he's like, all right, you're busy on this day. And I was like, okay, what for? And he's like, well, we're, we're going to go see Jack. And I didn't have a total idea of where his tickets were. And he sent me the tickets. And I was afraid to look at them. But yeah, we were, we were like... Uh, less than 50 feet from Jack. Like, Get the hell out of here. Oh yeah, we were like he was he was right there. It was it was fucking crazy. I would have been like taking my keys and trying to slice that bag that my phone was in out. Yeah, I think you just that have close? to say you have diabetes and then they don't make you put it in the pouch. <laughs> the funny thing we were we were waiting in line to get in so you've been there before. Yep. You got to walk yep. through uh what is now the CNE grounds and then you got to cross a little bridge and then get through the gates and stuff and in the line to put your phones in the pouch which you and I have done before. I don't have a problem with it. I nope, don't think you none. do either. Nope. Um, the guy in front of me has his pouch locked up, and then he says, you know, just so you know, I, I, I feel very violated right now. And then just that was his spiel, and he went into the show. It's like, man, don't fucking come. Like, And as if you didn't know that it was going to happen. It's very highly publicized. Yeah, they're not here making you get, get vaccinated. They ask you to put your phone away for a couple hours, and you, you have free reign to open it up in a specific area. And, I mean, it does benefit the show. I still, oh, like, I'll huge. still grab, you know, I'll try to limit myself to one song and one little bit of a video clip at yep. some shows. Yep. But it does make a difference when you're, like, you've got nothing else to devote your attention to. Oh, totally. Except for what's going on right there. I feel the same way at Bose, and I've talked to people about it before, especially my partner, because when we have a show at Bose, uh, she will not hear from me for until 11 o'clock at night usually. Because, um, you know, I think I have enough respect for the artist not to be seen in the crowd with my phone out. I also don't want to be seen, uh, you know, having interactions with with these creatives on a fairly regular basis because mm-hmm. it's it, it seems disrespectful. 
So there are a number of factors that lead to me not using my phone other than just taking a picture or a short clip, right? I just think it's should be common courtesy. But I'll bet being that close, you're Holy like, fuck, man. I could get I, I was like, man, I wish I could see a picture. And when you went to see him in Vancouver, you had mentioned that he cut Hotel Yorba short. Yeah. Because, um, again, and the whole, I think, the the premise behind the, the, the phone in the bag is to get everybody into it, so yes. they're into it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that Vancouver crowd just wasn't feeling yeah. Yorba that night. He finished Yorba, and I, I can confidently say he was, like, beyond thrilled with the crowd that night. That's like, amazing. the end, you know, when they, they come together at the end of Bow, and yep. you've, you've been incredible, I've been Jack White. It was just like, he was smiling. He was very, very happy. So, it was pretty sweet. It was really sweet to see Jack at, um, uh, what, the fucking Budweiser stage now. Um did I send you the set list from when I last saw him there with the uh, white stripes? No, I did look at this set list, though. Yeah, so that was 20... Uh, fuck, I forget what year it was. That was the white stripes? 2005, I think. 2006 or seven, yeah. something like that. Um, which I was not on the floor at that show, that's for goddamn sure. So it was a pretty special night. Now, when he fired into the cover song that he did... Yes. Were you aware? No, you idea. Know? no, no idea. No idea. Okay, I imagine... No idea what it was. I, I looked after. A, I was like, "Hey, he did a big sugar song." I think there's a good chunk of the crowd that might not have known. Yeah, I, I believe that. What that was, but what an unbelievably so uh, he covers Big Sugar's "Ride Like Hell," mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's a perfect song for Jack to cover, and probably could. What did be he cover at your a, show? Um, what was the cover? I don't think. I don't remember him doing a cover of the did show. He I do... think he uh, stuck to all just Tours Dead Weather jack stuff okay what debt or what rack on tour songs did he, did he do um geez you're testing my memory that's already i'm gonna have to pull up the cellist because he did steady as she goes obviously steady as she goes but the 100%. other song he did was one that i i just never expected him to ever play play piano for it hmm and it was i'm gonna have to pull up the name and later. i think you got was it cut like a buffalo was your yeah, which i Dead don't Weather think team? i've ever seen and that was really really yeah, yeah. cool yeah Great, great show. The band was amazing. I loved how simple it was. Um, it, yeah, he knocked out all of his new songs in the first, like, four or five songs and then didn't really touch them for the rest of the show. Which they still, and that's uh, always a key component to how good the new stuff is. Like, it fits in pretty well, right? Like, oh, songs yeah. like Taking Me yeah. Back. and yeah. um, I love it. Like, the drummer was interesting. I liked seeing the kit. It's like, a, if you haven't seen it, you could search up uh, his SNL performance from a year or two ago and his drummer's... It's like a Picasso drum set. They're all backwards and facing the crowd, and he barely uses any drums other than a couple cymbals, bass, and snare. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, again, he didn't really use it all that much, but again, you're seeing Jack White. You're not there to necessarily see the whole band. No, but the band is always massively impressive. His bass player realized is like, um, from where I was, which was pretty close. I don't know (laughs) if I said. uh, Like, looks like Johnny Cash. He's got the Johnny Cash haircut, yeah. the kind of like low low pomp door sort of thing. It was, yeah, it was very cool. Oh, Anyways, I wasn't as close, so I didn't get uh, it was as sweet. good a look. Oh, and oh, fairly positive Uh-oh. as we drove back because we stayed in the city for a couple hours. Realized we missed the train, had to split an Uber back to Burlington. Fairly positive we passed at least the the tech crew and the the big honking vintage looking Prevost uh, tour bus yeah. heading to Michigan. Uh, I think they were playing Michigan the next night. Uh, and what about the poster? Did you get? No, Jack's posters or they did you get? You didn't sold. get a snitch sold. They were sold out. Yeah, those would go pretty quick. They're they, pretty cool. They were gone. It was a cool poster though, but I couldn't tell if there's any sort of local. I don't connection. think in that. I remember didn't, looking at that one online. I don't remember. It's like a magician. Type that's thing, right. It was right? a magician thing for sure. Speaking of magic. Oh my God! I literally had to go uh, to the web version of Zoom to be able to log in with a meeting passcode because my computer is not updated to the uh, current Zoom. Oh, I've had that happen often. That does happen. I've been late for work meetings and trying. Honestly, I had to update. I swear, my dog ate the paper. But that's a work meeting. We don't. We don't want this to be considered work. No, 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 no. Hilarious. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? really good are you are you back home now i am currently in etobicoke oh very nice very nice yeah enjoying the the last days or the first day of september is it it's september 1st September now yeah totally forgot summer yes, just kind of flew yeah. uh is etobicoke home now because you've been out of vancouver for a little bit right yes i moved to uh, the toronto area four years four ago years. okay and you were in vancouver for a long time before that right 30 years. Yeah. 30 years wow. uh, based on a coin flip. 
based on a coin flip is correct. That's that's the lasting effects of a flipped <laughs> coin. You were dedicated to <laughs> holding true to that. Well, I think too, you know, um, over the years, I was just, I was never there. We were on tour and um, I don't think I was home for probably 18 years straight. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Those, those days are something else. It's a little better now though, right? You get a little more home time. It's very different. My life is totally different. And, you know, I'm, what can I say? I'm, I'm three three husbands later, and uh, one generation of dogs that passed away, and on to the next generation of dogs. Um, yeah, life just—I mean, like for all of us, it's so different now than when we were in our twenties and thirties. Wow, you should write a book. You should really write a book. About there is a book. There is I know. A, okay, I know. <laughs> I was say, oh my God, what are we doing here? Um, I know that uh, you know you talk about spending a little more time at home, but you were here in Red Deer twice in what, like nine months? Yeah, well, and honestly, even yeah, if you it was stretch fantastic. back to three times, because at the, the Canada Winter Game Show in 2019, oh, right. and then yeah. eliminate those couple of years from the pandemic. Oh, heavens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, we were lucky enough to come there to Bose with Buck Cherry, and then, yeah, again, just a little while ago, and it, both times were phenomenal. We just love it, and, uh, Red Deer is a really, um, it, it's a really neat little city. It really is. It's very artistic, and they've got a really, really cool music scene. I was just going to say, and you've played like so many different venues in town as well, because I'm trying to think on that book tour when you're doing the Storytellers, it was a smaller yes. venue downtown, I want to say, right? Yes, yes. I don't remember the I name remember of it. the name of it either. How long ago was Maybe that? Maybe it's um, not still there. So that, what year did that, was that like 2016? Yes, 2016. Yeah, hmm. yeah. and that was that was a phenomenal experience too, doing that first book tour, especially. And we wound up being able to do a couple of those um, nationally. And that was uh, for a long time. It was my favorite way to perform. Um, until you know, lately, I really have gotten really back into the the rock shows and stuff like that. It's just it's just way too much fun. Well, I, I missed the Red Deer show a few weeks ago, but uh, based on what Peter was telling me, that you do a, a fair amount of storytelling during the set, right? Oh, sure. You know, I like to tell people about the song before we play it, um, just to give it context a lot of the time. And, um, you know, it depends on the audience. It's like that old saying, read the room. Um, <laughs> and I try to very much. Um, but it's it's always uh, it always feels personal somehow, and and uh, the audience is always, you know, winds up, you know, feeling very familiar. I think that we're all uh, the same generation basically, and we've all been through all the same things. Um, and you know, from liking DRI as kids to you know Jane's addiction, you know, coming in and then grunge and losing all our friends to drug addiction, and then. Mm -hmm you know, going on and then Metallica puts out their best record in their career only a couple of years ago. It was just like, if they can do that, the rest of us can do anything too. Yeah. That's a, it's those, I was listening to your interview, which is a number of years old on the turned out a punk podcast with Damien Abraham. Oh, cool. And, um, which was really cool. And you could tell how excited it was to, to chat with you. And part of that I think was because you have, been witness to so much history mm. in the punk slash hardcore slash thrash whatever you want to call it umbrella for so many years now um i thought it was really fascinating though in that your advice to other musicians is simply never quit are you still following that that mantra for for musicians oh absolutely i really think it's true you know like um i don't know i look at tina turner for example and she was still doing stage performances and wearing her heels and rocking that mini skirt um, into her seventies. Mm -hmm. And I just think, why shouldn't we do what we do and do what we're good at? I mean, you know, I think that a lot of artists, I don't know if it's, it's the same for women or for men, but I think a lot of artists as they get older, they uh, feel pressured to kind of uh, more for modify. And sometimes it's really, for sure, it just might feel better. 
um, you know, in general. And I know for me, like when I first started performing after going through cancer treatment, uh, I felt a bit like a fish out of water. Um, I didn't feel like myself for a real long time. I didn't know, I think, that I was still like really sick mm. for a long time. And um, it just felt better to do acoustic shows. So I did that for, you know, a couple of years. It just felt too contrived to do a rock show. I didn't feel, I don't know if it was like, I didn't feel up, up to it, um, but I just felt so transformed. Um, from uh, having gone through cancer, it just didn't. It just didn't feel right for me, and, and I finally got to a place where it, it felt right for me again. And so I'm very happy about that. And you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, I always stay healthy so that I can you know get gig neck every night and bang my head and and uh, and do what I love to do. So I'm kind of curious, you've obviously learned a lot as you've done this over the past few decades. You had a lot of people help you when you got going. I was thinking like during that show at Bose here a few weeks ago, there was a local band called Face the Earth that opened for you. When you get into those yes. circumstances, you were praising them and calling, you know, saying that these guys are the future. Are you good at unsolicited yeah. advice? Like, will you come in and see a new band opening for you and be like, hey, you know what, guys, I've seen, I've learned, or do you wait, do bands come up to you and say, hey, Biff, we kind of. Um, you know, it's pretty organic. Like bands are all the same. When when bands meet each other backstage, you you gel with them, and and everyone has the same experiences. It's all the same. Um, I kind of view them as equals. I I didn't really see them at all as a baby band, and you know maybe that's I don't know. Maybe I I don't know. I I, I know a lot of baby bands here in Toronto, and I. I don't want to give them advice unless they would ever ask me for, you know, an opinion or insight. Um, I just think it's important for bands to just be themselves and artists, if they're solo artists, they just have to do their thing and uh, everything will come. You know, it's almost, it's almost as it, like a Bruce Lee type of mentality, you know, just put into practice, everything will fall into place. Um, you know, drive to the gig. You know, the gig will happen no matter what. Just try and stay out of your own way kind of thing. And that band was uh, particularly talented, to say the least, really talented. And it's it's really um, enriching seeing a young band that's very talented because it, it just puts a huge smile on your face. And, you know, you believe it. It's like you can think of a lot of bands the first time you saw them and you're just like, you know, you're over the moon, you're beaming at them from the audience, you know, and I think that um, that's something that's, you know, that's a true feeling and that's a good sign that it's a really good band. You want to keep supporting them. Um, not to, like, I, I do, like, I think we have lots of questions about your past, um, which I, I hope that's all right. And I know you've gone over these, these things uh, countless times in your life, but Today, I lis okay. listening to Turn Out of Punk, I, I, I had no idea about Gorilla Gorilla and listened to that record. And it's so fucking cool. It's so unique. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I love that. I love that record. It's so funny because that those guys were into Bad Brains yeah. and, uh, and the Jungle Brothers. And, um, you know, and yeah, we uh, our first tour, our first shows were with DOA. And then um, we got to tour with Tri Pigs band at the time. He had the Wongs. And it was phenomenal. You know, I think back to it, it was like 1989, 1990. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. We just did it. And um, it was just, it was so fun. It was just, it was just some, those guys were kind of like, I'm not going to say they were like Rastafarian skate guys, okay. but in a way, that's kind of what it was. And, and I think that that was really, sorry, my computer keeps uh, making me log in. Oh, I only have 44 <laughs> gigabytes left on my computer. That should I'm be like, enough. Is that bad? <laughs> is it bad? Like, no, does that mean it's like done? That should be good. Sorry, that should be more than enough. If we get a blank screen, we won't, we won't take it personally is if it we all of a sudden blank? lose you. Oh, now I'm on. Now I can see you. Um, but yeah, Gorilla Girl, I, if I listen to those songs, it, it makes me sad because it was, there was nothing digital. You know, we had a cassette tape. And um, 
it was just, yeah, it was really phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. And all those guys are enormously talented and went on to do really cool things. Kent Jamison, the bass player, is still working um, with NoFX mm-hmm. and living down in California. Randy Steffes, of course, is with SNFU now. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a really wild ride. He was managing Green Day for a while and then um, did a whole bunch of other things. And, uh, of course, Brett, um, you know, he's in Modern Terror, but, you know, became a barber and then also toured with Pennywise. He still tours with Pennywise. And and uh, I think um, Gimme Gimme, the Gimme Gimme's. Um, yeah, they're just, uh, those guys are just enormously talented guys and they went on to do all that stuff. And I kind of went into, um, being a solo artist. Uh, but first I, of course, went into other bands and tried mm-hmm. that for a little while too. Um, I think that because we're, you're saying the music that Gorilla Gorilla did was kind of, you know, it was kind of like punk funk I, yeah. in a way. It's it was like a bit of a nod to the Chili Peppers. It was very positive and upbeat. And once we got to Vancouver, man, I started doing drugs with everybody else um, at the jam space. And uh, I wanted to be in dirty grunge bands and thrash bands <laughs> for a while. Uh, and that did not fit with the happy uh, Rastafari um, ganja smoking skateboarders that Gorilla Gorilla was all about. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't work. But I was also a 21-year-old girl. So I think that, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I wasn't very mature and uh, still trying to find myself. Yeah. Um, so did did Gorilla Gorilla ever cross paths with, with you know, artists in, in the Riot Girl scene at the time? Because it would have been uh, similar, similar eras, I think. And, and I, I couldn't help but think of Kathleen Hanna to a certain degree listening to your vocals at the, what, you said 21, 20, something like that? Yeah, it, really young, and uh, we never did. It was my band Chrome Dog that wound up constantly touring in the U.S., and right. so we would go up and down the West Coast, and definitely um, sometimes I was put on bills, but mostly in something that I, at the time anyway, which was always important to me, uh, was to be on bills with dudes, because then I felt like, that was like a huge honor that, you know, if I was the only chick, it wasn't because of any other reason than, you know, maybe I was a peer, you know, it's all delusional, magical thinking that I had. Um, but it was great fun. We got to, you know, play and tour with bands like Bad Religion and Sublime and stuff like that. And um, the guitar player from Chrome Dog uh, was this, uh, really talented musician named James Yock, who was from a band called Beyond Possession. And um, yeah, he ran the show. He called the shots and he had a vision uh, for what that band was. And when you listen to the music of Chrome Dog, it is so different from Gorilla Gorilla. I just, I was really appreciative of the experience because it really allowed me to explore something else that was the polar opposite mm-hmm. of happy, happy Gorilla Gorilla music. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I, anyways, thank you for putting out that EP or that record many years ago because as of so today, cool. it's officially so in my playlist. It. It's very, very cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And do you keep in touch with any of the uh, those guys? Like, I mean, obviously, you know what they've yeah, all gone on know, to do I'm in not, careers. I'm not great on. Uh, I'm not great on personal. Uh, social media like Facebook and stuff like that. I've always run my own. Um, I, I call it the work social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, I still keep in touch with them a little bit more, more with Brett than the other guys. Cause of course we were married mm-hmm. um, for about six months, but we always kept in, in touch and um, yeah, it's, it's been fun um, kind of growing older and seeing those guys, how their lives evolve and uh and continue to evolve i think that our generation um you know us gen xers like we're i think we're probably the first like 50 year olds who still uh skateboard and wear our battle vests and stuff like that i remember the first tour i did of the uk um is my screen black right now nope Nope, you're good you? Oh, okay because it is for me so I'm <laughs> but the first tour that i did of the uk um, 
I forget where we played, but it was like Nottingham or like Northern, Northern England and all these women that were at the show who were much, much older than me at the time. And they were all like rocking the battle vest and they had, they all smoked and they had like, they were really cool, like rockabilly girls, but they all look like grandmas. And I thought, oh my God, that's me now. Like that's what we, I'm like, oh my God. And it just makes you laugh, our, our perceptions of, of what it is. And I just think we're the first generation that are going to, you know, we're going to rock till the grave. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, it's I've, told, funny. I've told Patrick this story before, but my um, dad had Alzheimer's and was in, in a home. He was 69. And this is just a couple of years ago. But I remember him telling me they had a movie night at the old folks home one night. And I'm like, oh, well, what movie did you watch? And I know he knew what it was. Pulp Fiction. Oh, my goodness. Right? Like we're getting to that generation now where you're going to be rocking to Sabbath and watching yeah. Pulp Fiction in the old folks home. No more Elvis <laughs> in the old folks home. It's yeah. Sabbath yeah. Now. Remarkable. That is remarkable. Yeah. I, the reason I bring up, um, you know, if you still keep in touch with some of those guys, like I think we see the rigors of the music business all the time and, and the strains they can put on things. You say you've gone through three marriages, but, you know, you and like yeah. a guy like Peter Carroll, who have been partners and in this game together for more than a couple of decades. What's the secret? Years. Yeah, like, what's the secret wow. to making that work? That's awesome. Well, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for loyalty mm. and, um, I'm the kind of person, um, you know, in on many levels, I guess that I'll just, you know, um, I'll ride or die with with people, and um, that's a big example is the people that I work with. Um, I, Peter was the only manager I've ever had. I don't know any different. Um, he started managing Chrome Dog in 1992, and um, at the time, he was also managing a couple other bands, including Annihilator, uh, which is with the famous Jeff Waters. And uh, Chrome Dog was supposed to go on tour with uh, Annihilator across Canada. And uh, again, I was like, I don't know, 22 years old <laughs> and very dramatic and very, um, very delicate in a way. I was easily offended when I was a young girl. And, uh, the, you know, they were the typical boys in a band. They were just incredibly impolite or whatever the case, you know, whatever grievance I had. And, uh, and I quit the band. I just couldn't do it. And I was very concerned that uh, Peter would be disappointed because he had invested time, of course, and, and money into helping us tour down in the States so many times. And um, he just said, yeah, take a, take a breather and let's, uh, let's talk in a week and you know, we'll see what you want to do, you know, see what you feel like doing. I have a lot of ideas. And at the time, John Dexter, who had Johnny Jet Records, was uh, wanted to uh, make a record as a solo artist. And that was, yeah. And then we just started working with John. And then, yeah, then it just, just kept going. And then John and Marsha Zula started managing me for the U.S. And then I went to Europe and took the drummer from Annihilator with me and the old bass player from Chrome Dog because uh, I didn't know anyone else who would do it. And, uh, and away we went. And uh, it just it makes me laugh now because it just 25, 30 years flew by. And all we did was work. That was it. There was, there was no secret. Um, you know, when you're so busy and so immersed in, you know, chasing your dreams, I guess, time does just fly it just flies mm -hmm. and the way we all lived and i know this is true for a lot of my girlfriends uh who for example are in banking or who are in like you know owning crossfit gyms or whatever like a lot of different backgrounds we all still live exactly the same way we did when we were 24 and 25 and that is hand to mouth we still live check to check everybody does uh, people now have families and in uh, second cars and second mortgages and putting kids in through school or having aging parents that uh, require care and stuff and everyone lives check to check. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable what we manage. You know, everyone just keeps going. You just keep going, time just flies. We work like dogs. All everyone in every job works like dogs. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Why quit? 
Have you thought about it? Um, when I was, um, I, I think a couple of times I wanted to go back to university. Um, I think when I was in college and, uh, I thought it, I should, I thought I should go back to school cause it just wasn't going to pan out obviously. And, um, and I never did. And I'm glad that I didn't, but you know, luckily for me, they were still giving out honorary doctorate. So, oh, hell yeah. uh, I don't know that it'll do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'll have, ever get me a job because all of us musicians who are now faced with not having any revenue source from yeah. music, technically, um, nobody has any training to do anything else. This is all we've ever done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ultimately we have no skills, you know, other than uh, being performers or being in the performing arts. So it's, it's interesting, um, you know, to envision how we, we can pivot if we have to, I don't know. It's, it's pretty hard. Like, I, I think that, um, yeah, unless you can, unless you're internet savvy, it would be pretty hard to 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 maintain a household or yeah. make a living if you weren't doing what you've always done. It's and, just hard to pivot for people. And at the end of the day, you've done a really good job of pivoting because if you like acting, singing, writing, like there's really not anything I don't think that you haven't touched. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> I wrote a book yeah. of poetry. I wrote a book of poetry. It's never been published. Well, I call it trauma porn now because <laughs> I think it's too it's too sensitive for a lot of these publishers that read it and then just kind of go, um, they don't know what to do with it. I'm just like, really? Like, really? Can't what? Like, can't you do anything? Like, I think that I should just develop a shibari show where I'm reading from the poetry book while young people are doing shibari rope things uh i think that you know i'm certainly not going to do it um so maybe that would be something that i could um make into a tour that people would buy tickets for i mean at the end of the day the only way we get paid is butts and chairs yeah, yeah. um going back 30 years to now um Compared to some of the venues and stages and rooms that you've you've been playing, I say we'll say for the first ten ten years of your career, um, how do you feel about the crowds and the stages that you encounter nowadays? Like, are there rooms that remind you of thirty years ago, or or have, have things changed that much? Uh, some rooms are the same rooms that they were thirty years ago. That's exciting. You know, a lot of these. Well, and in Canada, it's the truth. A lot of these venues have been around mm -hmm. uh, since the beginning of my career, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's familiar and and fun and good to to play the same venues. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that the world is so different now than when I started out. Audiences are a little different. Etiquette is different. Yeah. Um, you know, I certainly, it's definitely frowned upon to do any stage diving, uh, nowadays, that's for sure. You can't throw a drumstick into the audience, uh, anymore. You're not allowed to, um, there's just lots of different things that, that make it, make it very different, but, um, I just love it. I've never, I've just never been tired of it ever. I'm never tired of it. That's amazing. And there was one thing that you, you mentioned a couple times in the interview with Damien about bus fever. Do you mind explaining what bus fever is? Bus fever is when somebody gets grouchy. Okay. And that seems to set in probably five or six days into a tour for some, some people. And um, it depends. Um, I think it's probably worse on a tour bus as compared to if you're flying in and having hotels or just driving in a rental car and always having a hotel because you get your own space yeah. in a hotel. Everybody hopefully gets their own room. Although when I started out, it was four, four guys to a room, me being one of the guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's, that's, that's different though, because when you're young, you don't notice that you have bus fever because everyone's just drinking malt liquor because <laughs> it's cheap. Um, but yeah, bus fever is, uh, an inevitability. A lot of the time it maybe is different with lots of, 
um, lots of girls in the band. And that's really what I think. Um, when I was a young person, I didn't know a lot of bands that had girls in them. Uh, and the bands that did have girls in them seemed to have more than one girl. And they, um, you know, I would get in fights with them all the time because I kept, you know, scolding them if I thought that they were, um, if they fought, in, if they argued in front of other bands, I would be like, cut it out. Like, you can't, you can't, you got to represent all girls. Mm -hmm. And you can't be, you can't do that because it's, it's going to ruin it. Like, you can't, you have to be like way tougher and way more professional than the guys because they're already thinking that you're a groupie or they're already thinking that you're inadequate or less than you know i had a lot of really strong opinions about it that wouldn't be popular today right um but it's really how it's just really how i felt and especially back then you know surrounding alcohol when i was first starting out i drink alcohol just like anybody else mm -hmm. Um, you know, beer at the show or whatever the case. And I just never had good tolerance for it ever. Um, and as soon as I've had a beer or even half a beer, I talk too much. Simple. I talk too much. And, you know, if you have more than one beer, then you laugh too much. And, and the cadence of your voice is different when you're laughing, when you're drunk. And I would always lose my voice on tour and literally that was like for me it was a no-brainer i was like yeah i can't do my job and and have fun and drink yeah. like literally it's one or the other and i also never wanted to be misinterpreted um you know i never wanted my judgment to be impaired in any way because uh, i really wanted to protect um what i felt was my desire for pure respect i guess so it was just and you know and now i think about it and i go man i was way too serious when i was a young girl um i was just very serious all the time <laughs> and now i'm like you know i, I kind of think that you know being yourself is probably a little more important than being as regimented and disciplined as possible um but that also just comes with age as they say wisdom and age um so where do you like do you think that you went through years lacking that self-awareness that led you to learn those lessons or were you this serious this self-aware right from the beginning like a strategy oh no it was just really something that was important to me uh just really because i didn't want to be misinterpreted right. i was working very hard uh, to try and earn peer respect that yeah. was for me the the highest um goal and I didn't, I knew that, um, you know, and we played with some very prominent American bands that were incredibly, incredibly sexist and rude. Yeah. Um, but you've got to suck it up and keep playing, you know, and that's what I did. You know, I never, I never shied away or, you know, took, I never took it personally. Uh, I knew it was like, you know, a really general way of uh, behaving for, people like that and now um you know a, a girl will leave the stage if she's offended she'll just stop the show and leave the stage yeah which you know to me is hey man i'm the wrong generation yeah. you know mm -hmm. i'm just like where are you going <laughs> like no 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 who cares don't pay no attention to that they just do what you do like but um that's not uh it's not popular to think like that you're more of a fight um, through it person. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Never quit. And uh, <laughs> well, and it's more fun. But again, you can't have shows like we did back in the day. We could put a put a roll of quarters in our fist. Right. right yeah. And hit somebody, you know, because it's part of the hardcore show. <laughs> now that's against the law. I think it's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, things are very different. But I'm I'm happy the way I came up um, through music and stuff. And then when I wound up meeting Gail Greenwood, uh, who at the time, I think she had just joined L7. She lived in Rhode Island and it was actually Chai Pig that introduced us via the telephone. Wow. Um, and I just had so much respect for Gail. It was like, she was the most hardcore chick I'd ever, ever seen play. And, uh, and she also wrote very lush, amazing songs with Tanya. Uh, Donnelly and her bandmates in Delhi and stuff like that. And, 
we were just, yeah, we both love dogs more than people. And it was just like, yeah, we we're fast friends. Now, do you bring your dog on tour with you now? My, my little one? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Who is currently sick today. She has colitis. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, does that help alleviate the bus fever a little bit, having the dog around? Um, I think so, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe everyone's too polite, but she's just a, she's just a little joy. She doesn't bark and she's just sweet as can be. And, uh, she loves the guys in the band. They're her uncles. And so that's just something that's always a happy, a happy thing. And it's, it's just great. I traveled with my other generation of dogs too, but one of them, Nicholas was a very, very barky, mistrustful yeah. person. So that was hard. And this is Grace Freely that you're touring with now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I wanted to get, you said generations of dogs, and we actually just had this conversation last week about the difficulty in naming animals, and we both have dogs named after athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, Very nice. Obviously, we know where the, where the Grace Freely comes from, but uh, where do you draw inspiration from when naming your dogs? Uh, well, a snake that named her Ace Freely, and we called her Ace, but... You know, I always put the girl in front of it. And she just, because she's just such a, a generous little dog, she's very kind and she's very um, happy and very loving. She just kind of, to me, she's a grace. So that, that's how that kind of developed with Nicholas. I don't know how he got his name. I don't honestly know. We got him out of a, a guy's garage in Burnaby, British Columbia. And he was the last puppy in the box uh, at this guy's house. And he was just Nicholas. It was just like when you met him, you went, Nick. I didn't, never had that name. You know, it was just that's who he was. And my manager named the other Anastasia. <laughs> what, sorry, and what, I does, what does Grace do when you hit the stage? Front row? Oh, uh, well, somebody somebody gets to babysit her. Like, okay. for example, we're very fortunate at Bose. Um, they always uh, have somebody who is happy to to sit with her in the office. Um, and so we either play 45 minutes, 75 minutes, or 90 minutes. It depends. And she usually just sits quietly and waits. And if she hears, I love myself today, <laughs> which is always my finale song, she starts getting excited. So this cool. is the report I always get. It's just the cutest. That's so cool. Love it. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, I'm curious to know who, who uh, hung out with Grace. Producer Ryan, do we know? A few who... weeks ago. It wasn't, we'll, we'll get it wasn't to the bottom Ryan. of that. Okay, we'll figure it out. That might be the best night of the year for, for a worker, a uh, staff member at yep. Bose, to hang out with Grace freely <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, she's such a sweet little thing. <laughs> uh, and then cool. at that show, you were showing off the shoes that you had with her on it. So maybe yeah. talk a little bit about, is it Dave, Dave Benning? Yes, it is. And he's an artist from Vancouver. And um, yeah, it's just the coolest thing that uh, that anyone's ever given me almost. Um, just really unexpected and very generous. He's a very talented uh, commercial artist and so yeah I wear those shoes every tour <laughs> ever since I got them in February Love very it. cool what Love is it. this what is this one-of-a-kind documentary oh yeah so that you're talking about here, yeah Pete? so of course you've got the the book out already but you're in the midst of doing uh, a documentary well um so Scorgy Productions and Electric Panda um are doing a documentary um, called Biff Naked One of a Kind, and they have uh, enlisted Jennifer Abbott to be the director, um, which I couldn't be happier about. I'm a huge fan. Most people know Jennifer from the corporation. And um, I just think that with, you know, partly because she's a woman and partly uh, because of the lens that she's going to see the story through, which I don't know what it is going to be, um, you know, I feel like it's, you know, it, it's going to be really in, maybe interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to expect. We filmed last year. We had a film crew come with us on some of the Buck Cherry dates, which included Red Deer. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to visit Red Deer Hospice when I was there. And so we had the film crew come with me to the hospice. And, um, and then 
come with us at night to, to be with Buck Cherry and um, yeah, a lot of footage we, we got last year already. So um, we're doing interviews and stuff like that. It's going to be really cool. Now, what would you rather, a documentary or a biopic? Because the biopic seems that you could play around with the bio. You don't have to remain true to history in the biopic. It's too common. I see, I see. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. You seem you um, seem you seem like someone who's okay with the facts though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, you know, the queen of Well, yeah. This is the thing. I don't really have any secrets. I no. mean, everything I've either written into songs or put in my book. Yeah. And um yeah, it's like so I'm I'm open to anything they're going to do or want to talk about or want to expose. Yeah, no, you seem seem very transparent about that stuff. I, I really enjoyed listening to you talking about Chai Pig too, which obviously passed away just a few years ago. But someone mm-hmm. like that with with the immense legend that they have, uh, uh, definitely in this country, anyways, it must have been pretty incredible spending time with him back in the day. Because it sounds like he was he was a decent decent mentor of sorts, right? Uh, and a reluctant one. Anyone who knows Ken will. Uh, attest to the fact that he, he, even though he's a sweetheart, you know, he, you know, to have this 22 year old girl following him around uh, at every sound check and hanging on his every word was probably pretty irritating for him, especially <laughs> initially. Uh, but he was just, he was amazing. Um, I just learned so much from him. He was just such a huge influence on me when I was a young artist and a young performer. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, he's he's very legendary, and I think that there's a lot of artists who pass away um, in a way uh, they they didn't get to what the rest of us who are their fans uh, think would be like the the zenith. You know, we just feel like their their careers were underserved, and I think that I think Ken should have written a book. I think they're, you know, like just from his own words about his life. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been very interesting. There's a nice book, Walter, um, that is about SNFU, and that's uh, GFY Press, if you want to look that up. And it's, it's a very, uh, he really honors honors the story and honors the band. That's great, he yeah. He has a is. few of them. He has one on Randy Rampage, and he has uh, set, like lots. Like thirty books, I don't know. <laughs> G F Y Press, yeah. you say? Yes. All right, all right. We'll look into that for sure. Um, before yeah. we wrap up, uh, uh, do you are you exploring new music these days? Uh, like outside of your sphere, is, is new music or current trends and music something that you follow along with? Oh, definitely. I mean, this year I was able to collaborate with Ritesh Das and his band called Toronto. Tabla Ensemble. Incredible track. Uh, we co-wrote. Thank you. Yeah, it's it was really amazing. And we're just starting another one Very cool. for his new record. And uh, I just got the MP3 yesterday. Um, and it's just, yeah, being able to work with him has been very uh, meaningful for me. I think he's just so enormously talented. And, uh, and yeah, Doug Fury and I are still writing for more songs for champion we had like we were going to make it a triple record wow um you know because we had like 35 songs and some of them were from um some songwriting that we did with uh, jason dar who was with neurosonic uh so they're like i don't know they're a little more um rammstein meets madonna like they were just so out of context that we were like oh man we gotta put these on here because they're just ridiculous um and now it's like it seems like the sky is the limit, and I think that's one thing that is good about this age of music that we're in. There's really, you know, you can really do whatever you want, in a way. And I feel like uh, I don't feel like I was previously limited, but I think that you know there was always you know when you work with companies, um, you know, in different countries as we did, there's a lot of people that have a lot invested in needing to have a say and i was always very respectful of that you know i always felt my job was uh, to write lyrics to sing as best as i can and then go perform it everyone else has their job 
um, like picking singles for radio because based on what they think their country wants at radio and stuff. I never, you know, I was never that person who wanted to insert my professional ideas. I'm not a radio, like how do I know? Yeah. Um, so I think that now being kind of uh, absolutely unencumbered in many ways, it's like being unburdened. And that's something that I hadn't really prepared myself for because now we just can't we just can't stop tinkering with everything because we can and it's just like i can't wait until champion finally comes out i'm glad we waited and didn't put it out during the pandemic um i just think that yeah by the time it comes out it's it's gonna be pretty special what a what a future what a future we've got uh champion uh more with toronto table ensemble possible uh, Shabari poetry readings. <laughs> Documentary. <laughs> Documentary. <laughs> so the future is bright. The future is very bright. Never There's quit. a lot of content coming. God bless you. <laughs> uh, you brought up Ramstein. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, th- that show was just in, was it Montreal? Uh, I'm Did you not go sure. S- I can't remember what that show was. Would you go and see that show? Oh, in a heartbeat. They're yeah. playing in Chicago, I think, this weekend. Okay. I'd, I'd seen a bunch like, of clips yeah. from, I think they were maybe either, I thought it was, was either it just Canada? Toronto. It was in Canada oh, for okay, sure, okay. which doesn't happen very often yeah. from what I understand. But good Lord, that yeah. is a spectacle. Theatrics. That is like, honestly, they are just, you know, a phenomenal, phenomenal act mm-hmm. on a million levels. Yeah, would you have you seen them before? No, but after seeing that, and I've, I've I mean, I've heard of the spectacle of it, but yeah. I did have friends that were there, so I was looking at all kinds of social media posts on it, and like I think the light show of it is visible from way, way, way up. Wow, like space, it's space. I'm sure it is. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> from the they're ISS. pretty famous for that. What about yeah, when? When was the last for... time you were at a, like a club punk show? Oh, I can't remember. That wasn't obviously your own. Yeah, I can't remember. I went and saw Shiv and the Carvers um, at Sneaky D's. Oh, wow. I went and saw this artist at Sneaky D's uh, this spring. And uh, I feel like they are uh, the up-and-comer, the up-and-comer band from Toronto. Very, very phenomenally talented band. Shiv, Shiv and the Carvers. And the Carvers, yeah. All right, I'm, okay, that's the next that thing I'm, I'm searching up tonight. I'm re-listening to Gorilla Gorilla and then Shiv and the Garvers. Awesome. Night. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else, Pete? No, that's thank you very much for taking the time. It was uh, the show here a couple weeks ago at Bose was like just so wonderful, and there's so much love in that room, and, and that's all, you know, your connection to the crowd is just it beautiful. It was so nice. It was so nice. Everyone was so nice, and the food was great. Yeah. Everyone sat. We sat and ate. They're still talking about the food, my band. <laughs> they are. They're still talking about the food. Yeah, Bose. Bo, the reputation of Bose is uh, it's a special thing very for special. sure, especially yeah. living in this community. It's a very exciting scene to be part of. I'll bet. Yeah, it was. It's a special place. And now I've been. I can say I've been there twice. I'm just going to take you guys with me to go see my little. Where are you? Is is that a bad brain shirt or a straight edge? Uh, in bad brain style yeah it's as big as your best hi cool. grace she... freely this is grace yeah she's not feeling good oh that oh, sucks yeah. look at that what I a know. face hi hi yeah that's mommy's mommy voice isn't it yeah it so what uh, do you so, just have to let her rest and, up and get oh like her medications what do you got to do to get her healthy again um, well, so she's had colitis since we got her. She was rehomed okay. to us when she was four months old. Um, it, she's pretty good. She has a really consistent diet. She's not allowed to have anything else right. other than her vet prescribed kibble, yeah. um, which is, is okay. It's all she likes anyway, so lucky. But I don't know. I think that yeah, today she puked three times and had lots of diarrhea. Oh God! And so, I'm, so I always think it's the other dogs in the building, and somehow she has guardia uh, from like because it's dirty <laughs> or yeah. something. Um, but every time I seem to go to the vet, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so the last time I was there, they gave us probiotics 
to try. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the company is. It's just a powder that I can shake onto her food. And that right. seemed to really be fantastic um, for a while, for like almost all summer. Uh, but now I'm wondering if it's like if she needs to not be on that probiotic anymore. Hard to say. It's like. So is it very much like like a human with colitis where there's flare ups and it's good for a while? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And so, yeah. And then I stay, I stay up with her all night and, mm. and do the baby wipes and the butt wash and the kisses and the tummy rubs and, you know, it's nothing I can do. I just have to let her, let her feel better. And if I can't, if she doesn't get better, you know, in about 24 or 36 hours, then I wind up going into that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I just don't want her to suffer. I don't want her. What if it's five days? Like, you yeah. know, I'm not going to let it go. To, it's just like, yeah, no, let's get it figured out. I don't like her going on antibiotics for it, but they don't seem to have good answers. Um, but the probiotics was a really, a really great thing. I was really happy with how that went for her. Well, so we'll see. Hopefully this is short-lived. Yeah. yeah. Aside from the colitis, uh, Grace Freely sounds like an incredibly lucky, lucky dog. So, Listen, if I could breastfeed her, I would. <laughs> that, is a, that is a fact. That is a fact. That's the title that of this week's fact. episode. Never quit. <laughs> breastfeed your dogs. Love That's it. Right. Come on. <laughs> You know, she only weighs seven pounds. <laughs> well, Biff, thank you so much for, for taking the time to hang out. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. I hope you have uh, a great September as we head into fall. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, hopefully we see each other soon. That'd be All great. Right. Sounds good. Have thanks, a good man. night. Peace out. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye now. See ya. If I could breastfeed her, I would. <laughs> That's the name of the next album. That is a great dog owner. That is a great dog owner. Hell, I, I almost f- feel bad calling Biff a dog owner because it's that's more than that, right? I feel the same about my dog. What about you and Freddie? You let Freddie oh, suckle on that nipple one? Breastfeed Freddie in a second. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You'd hate little, it. Little easier for you to do that with your dog than me to do it with. Yeah, mine, that's but, true. Uh, Four and a half pounds to what? A hundred. Hundred pounds. Yeah. Dear God. Been lifting that dog? I, I should actually. I could probably use the work. Well, that was that was a joy to talk to Biff Naked. Uh, um, uh, hmm. What is the appropriate word? Much like Riley is a uh, live music archivist, uh, I think Biff fits into a role as some sort of historian well, in, in Canadian. But that is punk. even just such a small. Yeah. Like, honestly, you could probably, and I mean, she does have the book to cover the majority of it. And to be fair, like, I always, like, I wonder. Like she does all these interviews and she's so nice, so she'd never do it. But I would be tempted if I got asked a question of something in the past, I'd be like, uh, refer to chapter 11 in my book. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Yep, that's fair. Um, but she's way too nice to ever do that. But like, just, I mean, when you go through everything the woman has done, we could have touched on all the humanitarian stuff that she does, all the work with animals yep. that she does, um, obviously all of the acting. I didn't realize that she was in videos like for Moist. She was in two Moist videos. She was in an Offspring video. Oh wow, I didn't know that either. It's, That's wild. There's just so much. A headline Lilith Fair. There's a lot. Like, a lot. There's so much. Uh, enough for a I, part two someday, perhaps. Yeah. Next time she's in Red Deer. A true Canadian treasure for sure. Well, very cool. Uh, Biff Naked, of course. Uh, I mean, Biff was here in Red Deer twice in I think it was less than ten months, right? Uh, October, so it would have been October to July. I'm trying to think, because I was on that flight with Buck Cherry. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was October. That was like mid October. Right. So it was right around mid October into. So maybe we'll we'll get into July. Into July. Yeah, maybe we'll get lucky and 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 get Biff back here. And it was soon. truly, truly a great show. Like she is just works the crowd. Yeah. And does make it feel so like just warm and inviting. It was that was a great night. Very cool. Well, Pete, uh, who else joined us aside from Biff Naked and Grace Freely? A big thanks to our friends at Sawback Brewing Company, Go Services, Inc. Cheers, cheers. Ting, ting. To Bo's Bar and Stage. And, uh, yeah, these these jabronis here that we haven't seen in weeks, Ryan and Riley, special bunch. The crew is and back Trevor. together. And Trevor, oh, my God. Smiling. Uh, well, that that being said, uh, let's let's get out of here. It looks like the studio might be getting a little busy. Okay, so communal creative studios, by the way. Which, if you are not following them or the road, the stage on social media, well, 
I guess Feel nothing's bad. changed Feel in your little you, brain, son. has it? Summer fun is over. Now it's time to get subscribed. Get to work! And we'll be back to work next Wednesday. 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 The Road the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Sir Yin at the Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. In partnership with Go Services Inc., Sawback Brewing Co., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage.